Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Groovy, Walgren, Bill Belichick, where all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Fearful UK Show. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK show. On today's show, I'm joined by Paul Hope, and we will be reviewing the Panthers game, and also giving a quick quick preview of the Thursday night game against the Cardinals. Hello again, Paul. Hi, Lee. All right? I am. I'm fine. I'm over the moon with last night's uh, result. It was fantastic. It's a game that um, I, I... Definitely wasn't expecting, um, as you can guess, based off the prediction I went. Uh, but I have to say kudos to William Sinden, who, who said it was going to be a blowout win for the 49ers. Um, so he he almost got the score right. He, he was definitely right that it was going to be a blowout. Okay, so I've got to say, whenever I script a podcast, I always find it relatively easy to do when we aren't playing well. And that's because the negatives always promote plenty of discussion and debate, so it's dead easy to script. However, when we're playing well, and as the case may be, near flawlessly, as it was last night, it always feels like the very few negatives from a game are unduly singling people out, just for the sake of it. Therefore, when we get into the game review, you you might be a bit surprised to hear that the one poor player from the game, in, in my opinion... It wasn't a negative, but a positive. And with that cryptic intro out of the way, I'll now hand you over to Paul, who can tell us what he thought of the performance as we demolished the Panthers. Yeah, well, like you said, Lee, it was a demolition from the first snap. I mean, we all knew this was going to be the real test going into what's happened the last few weeks. Um, It's been nice to see the positivity in the group, um, as obviously we've gone 6 and all. I sat down ahead of last night's game and I thought, right, this is where we announce we're legit. The 49ers are going to get the respect we deserve. And that first drive was awesome. Um, and obviously, it was nice to see Sanders come straight in, making their media impact. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you touched upon, I think the mistake you're referring to is Garoppolo with his now customary weekly interception. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm a, a massive fan of Jimmy G. I've put my hat on him early doors. And I don't know, it felt different on Sunday. Like I was sat at home and when he made the interception, I echo what you've just said there. I wasn't unduly worried. The way I looked at it is he's got it over and done with. And then after that, he was just what I would call, he, he moved the ball, he moved the chains. He was... You know, I think 18 or 22 throws, 175 yards, two touchdowns. The way I look at his job within our team at the moment is to move the sticks on third downs and hold on to the football. He's extended a couple of players. He's found his receivers. We've got a deep passing game. We didn't turn it over other than the bad interception. And it's efficient days like this where, against good pass defences, I think with our team, we're going to get more wins than not. Yeah, OK, OK then. So let, let's go down... Let's go down that avenue then. So, for me, you're right. The only poor player is the obvious interception. However, due to the fact it didn't impact the end result, 
and has given both Jimmy and Shanahan something to work on in the next couple of day days, I believe it should be seen as a positive. I think after the game, Kyle will have gone through the game tape with Jimmy and asked him what he saw on that throw, what was going through your mind, what led to the decision to make that throw. If you spend any time watching the various different programmes on the likes of NFL Network or even on um, YouTube with NFL 101, and listen to how the coaches analyse tape, they all go through a very similar process with the quarterbacks, when they either throw an interception or purely miss a wide-open receiver. They, they always ask the quarterback, what was the thought process? What was going on in your mind when you made that decision to throw that ball? Now, at Santa Clara, at the SAP facility, there's a virtual reality training suite. It's what Jimmy used while he was recuperating from his knee injury. Um, you basically put on a headset and you can go through different um, different scenarios for a quarterback. Uh, and that's how he learned the playbook while he was out injured. And I can bet your bottom dollar that Kyle will have Jimmy going through the same scenario during this week with a VR headset on and talking him through that decision. And you need to remember as well, game-wise, Jimmy is still relatively new regardless of how long he's been in the league. Now, that excuse will only get him to the end of the season, when he should have had enough starting games to make better decisions than what he has done over the last few games with some of the interceptions he's thrown. And to be honest, I was actually quite surprised to discover this is actually his sixth season. I was convinced it was only his fourth, but when I checked, he was actually drafted in 2014. So I was quite surprised about that. But in that time frame, he's actually only started 17 of a possible 80 regular season games. So he is still a relative newbie to the game. He's still learning the NFL system. But I think by the end of the season, he should be much better at making those decisions. And that's why I think that the only poor player, as far as, far as I'm concerned, I don't think it was a negative I think it's a positive because there's plenty plenty of stuff there where we can go away in the next couple of days, have a look at that, talk to Jimmy about it. It didn't impact the result of the game. Um, on another day, it might have lost us the game and then it would have been a negative. But there's plenty of plenty game tape there for them to go away, sit down, discuss it and come back better. And I think that's why I've put it down as a positive rather than a negative. Yeah, I agree. Like like we said, he's still learning. No one within our group certainly thinks he's the, the finished article. Um, I mean, ahead of tonight, and you're making your notes for the podcast, negatives. I mean, <laughs> what negatives can you have after our largest margin of victory in the Shanahan era? And what was it, our first 50-point game since 2003? Yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, long time. I mean, Coleman, four touchdowns. Nick Bosa, I mean, I know we had a bit of an in-joke in the game day thread when the commentator mentioned how exhausted he looked from being awesome. <laughs> and that just summed yeah. it up yesterday, you know. Um, I didn't know a lot about Nick Bosa. I don't watch a lot of college football. I'd seen the chatter. And when we've drafted him, obviously I've took more of an interest, but he certainly impressed me from the day he started. Yeah, so I... I did watch 
I didn't actually watch him live in college. I, I watched a lot of the uh, the footage on YouTube just to see what he was like when his name was being bandied about at the start of last season, before we even knew we were going to be in any sort of position to, to draft him. And straight away, he, he struck me as being absolutely excellent. And the only concern I had about him was his injury history. And obviously, that, that kind of came to the fore in pre-season where he had that ankle injury. And I kind of started to worry, thinking, did we make the right decision here, going for Borsa rather than Quinnan Williams? I was convinced that if he could stay fit, we definitely made the right decision. And looking at him now, you can see his production has definitely gone up a hell of a lot after the bye week, when he's had a chance to rest that ankle properly and get back to 100%. So, yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon with Borsa. He's absolutely excellent. Um, he's definitely given us something to think about when I'm out in San Francisco in a few weeks' time because I was going to get myself a Kittle jersey, but now I'm hesitating because I might go for the Borsa jersey instead. <laughs> oh, de definitely. I think there's a, a few of us I'm in the same boat as you. My next jersey purchase was going to be the white alternates that we wore last night, and I was thinking Kittle, Kittle, and now I'm like you. I'm leaning towards a Nick Borsa jersey. I mean, you called it in the group last night. Was it Sac Francisco? Yes. Our defence. We have a defence that is the real deal and it's just unbelievable to watch. So, full disclosure, Sac Francisco, I believe that was created by Justin Smith back in 2013, 2014, I think it was. Um, so the likes of Justin Smith, uh, Ahmed Brooks, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, Alden Smith, um, Dante Whitner. They were Sac Francisco, so they brought out all these T-shirts and they were absolutely excellent. Loved it um, and ordered myself one. So I can't take credit for, for calling them Sac Francisco. Uh, Sac Francisco. But we are <laughs> definitely going there again. That is definitely what our defence looks like. So, yeah, I was over the moon to bring that one back up. And uh, with any luck, they might turn around and have a word with the guys that who originally... Um, brought that merchandise in because I believe all the all the proceeds went to charity as well. Um, have a word with the, those guys and maybe um, bring them out again, redo them because it it was a fantastic line to wear and to kind of give you a, a, a more pride in the defence than what you already have. I was impressed that we didn't let up. Like you see, most teams go so many points ahead, and you know gamemanship I suppose I wasn't worried about that I was just I like to see us keep going trying to get more points trying to make more plays I think obviously the noise at Levi's last night was fantastic the crowd were loving what they were seeing and I, I don't know if you've seen the video that's gone online today about Gerald McCoy trying to rally the Panthers yeah. players at the start yeah the smoke yeah the smoke yeah. and I thought yeah you know actually I like the fact that what did Sherman say? The pretenders. If you thought we were pretenders, don't change your mind. I quite like that attitude. You get that vibe going from the team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, under the only real negative of the game, and that was the shambolic coverage by Sky Sports. <laughs> Surely they should have a red button option to, to allow viewers to watch the start of the later game if the earlier game runs over. I mean, they make billions from people every year because the subscription fees are so high so they definitely should have an option 
to be to allow you to do that and they definitely should not be missing gameplay just to show the in-studio presenters and guests I think that's an absolutely disgusting thing to do when you're there to watch the football. You're not there to listen to the, what the guests or analysts have to say about it. Watch the football. They can do a voiceover. Just shows the game. So that that was the real negative for me. Um, obviously, people who don't have Sky and were streaming, streaming it, they didn't have that issue. But it's quite disappointing that you missed the first three and a half minutes of the uh, the first quarter. Uh, and then you, you briefly get a glimpse of Tevin Coleman running into the end zone and you think, hang on, <laughs> what's going on here? And even the studio guests were like, oh, they've just scored. They weren't even watching the game. <laughs> I must admit, I had that as, you know, when I was making my notes ahead of tonight's podcast and you see our first drive, 11 players, and you think, well, we missed half of that. It cut straight into, and it was just so frustrating, especially as we're trying to grow the sport in the UK and obviously the 49ers have come to prominence this season. I had a friend around last night who was a long-suffering Redskins fan and he was just as annoyed as I was that we'd missed the start of the game. Yeah. And what wasn't there a, a play... Well, I say it wasn't there. I know for a fact there was a play later on in the game there. They were in the studio and then they cut to it and we were in the red zone. And it's like, like you said, they make a lot of money off us. I think it's something they do need to sort out. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you mentioned uh, you've got a friend who's a Redskins fan because <laughs> it's just actually reminded us. I was going to correct you earlier on in the podcast. Um, you mentioned that we've just gone to six and zero. We've actually just gone to seven and zero. But I understand why you made that mistake. It's because you've actually blanked out the Redskins game because it was so <laughs> boring. <laughs> oh, I, I've done the same thing myself. I've tried to forget all about that game. I mean, to be fair, we watched both games together. We were watching the Redskins game and he was actually relieved only to hold us to nine points. Yeah. And then last night, it was unbelievable. I think what I meant was we sat down last night and we were 6-0. and all. I was confident we were going to go 7-0, and all, but this Panthers team on paper was supposed to be our toughest game of the season. And I was interested to see how Shanahan was going to dial up the masterpiece that he dialed up and he, the quick passes, the smart runs. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, we all know what a great player he's been. Yeah. And if you've been fortunate enough to have him in your fantasy team, I was wary. You know, it was a, a big test and it was just a joy to watch how we... I think he did come away with 117 yards in the end. But overall, I mean, he played 100% of their snaps, didn't he? he pretty did, much yeah. until... And yeah, I think, like you said, we're given the blueprint of how to work them out. If you stop McCaffrey, you stop the Panthers. So... Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you there. I, I think stop McCaffrey is definitely the first thing that you need to do. But once you've stopped McCaffrey, you still have to get to um, Kyle Allen. And that's what we did last night. We, we got to him all the time. Obviously, he, he went in that game, didn't have a single interception. And he came away with three interceptions. Uh, three interceptions, and basically he walked off the field, punch drunk, thinking, what the hell's just happened to us there? Because we, we sacked him, what was it, six, seven times? Oh, it was six times in the first half. Um, he's definitely going to be seeing a Nick Bosa-shaped ghost chasing him around to quote Sam Darnold. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just willing Bosa to run in the interception for the touchdown. He just ran out of steam. It was just, he was so close, but... Uh, 
it would have been interesting to see his touchdown celebration if he'd managed to run that one home. Yeah, I'd have liked to have seen that. It would have been good for him to get in the end zone. Yeah, definitely. So, summing up the game, for me, the, the, there's two main positives. Not necessarily about the game, but there's two main positives around the whole weekend and the way we move forward as an organisation. Um, the first one is dead obvious. We, we are 7-0. And we've got a glut of starting players all set to return in the coming weeks. The return of both Staley and Juice will be huge in an already devastating run game. With the spoon return, we'll turn a position that was once our greatest weakness into a major strength. We've got nowhere to go but upwards as we get these starters returning. Confidence builds. Jimmy improves his decision making. What I would like to see us do is open up the pass game a little bit more because, for me, Jimmy's not passing the ball as much as what he did um, during that five-game stretch when he came in as a starter. He, I thought he passed the ball a lot more then and it looked as though we were going to be a passing team rather than a running team. So the ability's there and I, I'm not quite sure whether or not it's just Shanahan wanting to rely more on the, the run game than the pass game and trying to break him in really, really slowly. But yeah, everything that's come out this weekend has been a positive, definitely. Oh, totally, totally agree with you there, Lee, 100%. 7-0, and all. like we've, there's a tag going around the group, isn't it, about us being unbearable. I'm not yeah. taking credit for that. We all know where that's come from, Martin. Yes, uh, Mr Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, last few years, worked with a, a Giants fan, a Bears fan, I've had it in the neck. So when I walk into work on a Monday morning, these last seven weeks have been awesome. It's like unbearable. Here we are. And it is nice to see other people pick, take a notice that we actually have arrived. Yeah. Yeah. Another good point. People are taking notice. In fact, Packers fans, Seahawks fans, Patriots fans, they're all taking notice and trying to join the group. And I keep on banning them and they keep on changing their name and trying to get in. <laughs> but they are persistent. Um, but yeah, people are definitely taking notice. So, it's a very short week. We've got the game against the Cardinals. Um, I hate to say Thursday night because it's not Thursday night, it's Friday morning. So, firstly, don't forget that this game starts at 20 past midnight, not 20 past one. <laughs> yeah, the summertime uh... clock change differences between the UK and the US, it's actually a 20 past midnight start. So, I wouldn't want anybody to miss the first half, so just... Bear that in mind. No, thank you. You reminded me that of a couple of years ago. I think I made the same mistake. The Rams game one night and you were like, no, no, Paul, it's 20 past midnight. So yeah. thanks for the heads up. I'll write that down. No problem. Hope everybody else is listening to this and nobody misses the first half. I'm, I'm sure there was a few people got up during that game day threat and thought, what the hell's going on here? It's, it's nearly the end <laughs> of the first half. So yeah, 20 past 12. So going into the Cardinals game, on paper, we are much stronger in every single position. Uh, and possibly the return of both Staley and Juice. We are set up to run the ball down their throats all game. The Cardinals, the, the 29th overall in defence, the 25th against the run, and 29th against the pass. Basically, they are really poor. The number one thing that we have to beat is complacency. If we turn up and put in a professional performance... There's no doubt about it. We will be 8-0. No. 
no doubt about it whatsoever in my mind, we will be at no. But if we turn up thinking we've already beat them because it's the Cardinals, then we may end up looking foolish. And to be honest, after the last few seasons, the games we've had against the Cardinals, I really want to stick it to them this year. I want it to be a ridiculously high score. And something I saw on um, Twitter today, and it was from the, the UK Cardinals fan group uh, Twitter account, and they had mentioned the 49ers saying, I'm, I'm glad they've getting that out of the system, as though that's the only big win we're going to have all season. So because of that, I really hope we march into Arizona and put up either a 40 or a 50 burger on them. Oh, 100%, like you've touched upon there, the last few years, they seem to have been somewhat of a, a bogey team. Um, I'm sure it wasn't Andy from the group over there last year when we had the short week. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, it's interesting that other fans are still sceptical of our success. Like you've touched upon the Twitter account there. Were they not watching last night? Have they not seen everything the last few weeks? And it's plain, there's the coaching material, isn't it? Every other team's writing us off still. And you think, right, we're going to march in and we're going to show you. It'll be interesting to see how we approach the game, though. Like you've said, there were heavy favourites. They obviously struggled. I've not seen much of the Cardinals this season. Obviously, Murray, number one overall pick. I've seen bits of him on red zone. I've seen bits of him on the highlights. Um, I think you've mentioned his passing style. Yeah. Is it more of a baseball player's throw than... So, I mean, so Kyler Murray... Um, for me, he's grown as the season's gone on and he's got a bullet of an arm. Um, when he passes the ball, it, it just zips along there, but it doesn't seem to have any arc about it. It just goes in a straight line. It's like an arrow. It's that quick and just gets there. And, and he's got the ability that all running quarterbacks have to avoid pressure. However, I think it's this ability that's going to lead him straight into pressure because we've got pressure come from all an angles. And I can see Kyler Murray running headfirst into sack after sack. And is, is it just me? Or does Kyler Murray look like a glitch quarterback in Madden? The type where you create a player who's only one inch high so the opposing team can't tackle him. Every time <laughs> I've seen him play, that's what he looks like. He, he looks like a 10-year-old kid that has just wandered onto the field and somebody's given him the ball. I think the one thing that's certainly going to spice up this, this game is the fact that Nick Bosa will be going up against the team that passed on him in the draft. And more specifically, he'll be going after the player that they took instead of him. So Kyle yeah. Murray, I think he's in for a quite a rough night on, on Thursday night. Yeah, I think you touched upon as well when we were having a chat before we came on the podcast about how the moment he uses his legs a lot, mobile quarterback, and he's used to coming out of pressure on one side, he's going to get pressure on all sides, as we've shown this season. Um, like you said, Alan hadn't had any interceptions. Um, we managed him more than I think we expected to. So Murray on Thursday, especially with him being a rookie in the league, this will be his first real test of a real defence. And it will be, hopefully, similar of what we did on Sunday night. Yeah, I think it will be, to be honest. And I would love to see uh, Nick Bosa rack up another three-sack game um, and put, put him into the turf. And like I said, I've, I've got no love for the Cardinals. Um, and I think it's only based off the last couple of seasons where I did really expect us to beat them because I thought we were a better team than the Cardinals. And we've come away beaten. And I, I just couldn't get my head round that. that. That really 
stuck in me that did so yeah I, I can't wait to go in there and beat up on them a little bit so an interesting bit of news that uh, has literally just come through and I have a breaking news jingle for that So it's just popped up on my NFL app that the Cardinals have traded for Kenyon Drake. So that's the Miami Dolphins running back. Um, he's gone for a conditional pick. Uh, it's a, initially a sixth rounder, which could become a fifth round pick. Um, that makes sense to me because they've been lacking running backs due to injuries. I think they've only got one one fit running back at the moment who's on the roster. So that that trade makes sense. And no doubt would be motivated to show what he can do in his home debut. So that that might that might give us a few problems on uh, Thursday, Friday, but hopefully not too many. But yeah, that, that's I've literally just seen that pop up on my app there. So that's going to be interesting to see him because I've got him in my fantasy team. Ah, uh, I mean I know they'd signed Alfred Morris. They're struggling. Haven't they? David Johnson's out, and I think Chase Edmonds. Exited the game yesterday with with an injury. Yeah. So right. like like you said, it makes sense for them. I don't know much about Drake. Obviously, the Dolphins have not been playing the best this season. Um, I'm sure he'll come in on Thursday, Friday, raring to go. So I I I must have completely missed that that uh, signed Treacle towards Morris. When did that happen? I was I seen it on Twitter this afternoon. This afternoon. Um, and when mentioned Twitter, I also saw the faithful UK received a nice tweet this afternoon, Lee. Is that from uh, Mr. Sherman? Yeah, from, from Uncle Sherman. It was nice <laughs> yeah. to see him uh, acknowledging your tweet. And I was talking about this to one of my friends at work. You don't see that in the English Premier League. You know, you don't see the interaction. Like It popped up on my phone and I thought it was a nice touch. I mean, I know he didn't go into great detail, but he's obviously seen your tweet when you willing him to get another two interceptions for your yeah. bold prediction. Yeah. So after I saw that come through, I started thinking to myself, was it really a bold prediction getting five plus interceptions? So I quickly went through his history and he's only actually managed to get more than four interceptions in a single season twice. And that was seasons two and three where quarterbacks and teams were still throwing towards him. And then I think it was after that way he'd had like three Pro Bowls off the belt that um, teams started to avoid him. And that's when his interceptions started going down. So I think it's still a bold prediction that uh, he's going to get five plus. And yeah, like you said, it was very nice of him to actually reply to that. Um, the, the Twitter account is getting quite a, few, um, quite a few interactions over the last 24 hours. Um, I posted last night about the fact that everybody... Still don't believe that we're a real team. We've played no one yet. So I posted something about each different week that we've played and the excuses that other fans are coming up with. And um, that, that's garnered over, I think it was 12,000 um, engagements, uh, 220 likes, 100 retweets. And I was quite surprised how how well that tweet ended, ended up going around uh, Twitter. So people are starting to take notice, starting to take notice of uh, the UK as a fan base as well for 49ers. So that's pleasing to see that we're starting to get a little bit of credit, uh, a little bit of credit that we do realise what's going on in the NFL and especially how 
the media works over in the US. Obviously, it's all East Coast bias. It always has been East Coast bias. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we've done ourselves a power of good with some of the tweets that we send out to people um, and the replies that we're getting back. And like you said, with the social media, our group, I've, I've definitely noticed an increase since I've um, joined, and especially the last couple of years when, let's face it, we had a dreadful team. So this year I've noticed a massive increase, especially the game day thread, the excitement around building up to game day. I mean, last few years, there's been a few hardcore of us up in the middle of the night, suffering till the end with some terrible football. Um, it's just been nice to see the positivity around the group and the game day thread. And we're all excited. I mean, Sunday's game, through the whole game, I was leaping out of my chair and I was just every player. Where the last few years, we've always just had bad football to watch. So it's been yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny to to see how many different ways a person can convey complete shock and bewilderment at how well we play in, um, in the form of a post on Facebook. To to just watch each post go post by post. Oh, oh my God! Wow, is this really happening? Somebody, please wake me up! It, it just goes to show how how the team are actually exceeding our expectations for this season. Obviously, there's a lot of us came into the season with quite high expectations based off um, what both Shanahan and Lynch had mentioned when they took over season three. We should be challenging for a playoff place. We're in season three now. And to be honest, the way we're playing, it's looking like it's it's much more than that. We, we look as though we're a lot further on than what even the coaching staff and the front office expected us to be at this stage. So it's pleasing that you can see, and and the fans are the fans are reacting to that, and they're reacting in the way that's probably the correct way to react, with su surprise or or bewilderment at how good we are. Which means the fans' expectations weren't as high as what some would lead us to believe. So we were keeping fairly grounded, um, but I think that's going to be hard to to maintain the more we put in performances like Sunday night, I think we're all starting to get excited. And, and I'm guilty of that. Um, the whole um, the, the Brasso comment about how much how much Brasso does it take to polish the Lombardi trophy. I mean, I've, I've, I'm not going to lie. I've got my eyes set on uh, the Super Bowl. I, I think we can go all the way this year. So hopefully we can. Plus, that would be Brian's uh, bold prediction for the season as well. <laughs> so yeah. he'd be on to a winner it was also I think Eric Eric Oregard one of the yeah. new members of the group he was there last night I think it was his first game so over the moon that he got to witness probably the best performance in a long time and you're right about the excitement I've booked my day off work after the Super Bowl I've booked my hotel for the matchup um, in Newcastle like hey, we're in the Super Bowl I mean obviously you've already said you may not be at the meet-up, which if you can get tickets to the big game, I don't blame you. But the, I think Martin touched upon it when he said, imagine if we're undefeated at the meet-up, we'd be unbearable even more so yeah. if we got to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, as far as the Super Bowl is concerned, that, that's a hell of a long shot if I can get tickets because they're so expensive. I, I can't remember if I mentioned it, but uh, my older brother, who's a Vikings fan, it was either last year or the year before, I can't remember. He actually looked into 
potentially get Super Bowl tickets when the Vikings were doing well. Um, this was the year that the Eagles won because it was the Eagles that beat them, wasn't it? Yeah, it was when so, Case Keenum was, was before they got right. Cousins, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. So he'd looked into um, tickets on, I think it was NFL Ticket Exchange or StubHub. And to be honest, the tickets for the Super Bowl were going for like three and a half, four grand. So it, it's a it's a long shot that whether or not I can get a ticket. Um, but if I can't, there's no better place I can think of than spend it with other 49er fans in the type of environment we had last year for the Super Bowl meetup because that was excellent. And if it's us in the Super Bowl, that night is just going to be epic. It is going to be epic. But we might have to ban Martin Hughes and his fireballs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, back to the Cardinals game. Predictions for the game. At the moment, um, the betting, the over-under is 44 points. The 49ers are eight-point favourites. What do you reckon? What, what, what are you going to go for? Oh, I knew you were going to put me on the spot with a bold prediction. Um, Score-wise, I'm looking at us to get at least 25 to 30 points and hold them to a couple of field goals. So what would that translate to, what, 31-6, 31-3, something along those lines? I'll stick right. my neck out with that. No, I like that. I like that because it's very similar to what I've got. So you're going under with a 33-6, should we say, or 31-6. Yeah. 31-6, I'll put my neck on the line six. with that as my bold prediction. Yeah, yeah, I like that because I'm going very similar to that. I'm actually going, theoretically, we should be able to do what we did against the Panthers and stick 40, 50 points on them. But because it's a divisional game, I doubt that's going to happen. But I still think we'll win by more than two touchdowns. And I'm going to go with a 27-9 49ers win, which is under the over-under. It's under the 44. Um, but it's still a 49ers win, and it's by more than two touchdowns. I think that would be a comfortable win for us. It's a divisional game. So I would, I would be happy with that. So 27-9, and you go 31-6. Like you said, it's all about getting the win on Thursday night. It's a divisional rival, um, building up to... We're all guilty. We've looked ahead of the schedule. We've got the Packers coming up. We've got the Seahawks. You know, they're the games that we want to win, especially against the Seahawks. Definitely, definitely want to go into um, CenturyLink and show them we are the real deal. Yeah, definitely. Well, one thing I hadn't realised, I don't know why I didn't see this, but I hadn't realised that... Um, so after this game on Friday morning, Thursday night, Friday morning, we've actually got three home games in a row. So we've got Seattle at home, Cardinals at home, and then the Packers at home. I can't ever remember us having three home games in a row. So I was quite surprised about that. Right. Thank you for joining me on the short night, Paul. It's been a pleasure as always. No problem. Thanks for having me. No problem. Once again, thank you to all of our listeners. Um, please remember to like and subscribe. And also check out our YouTube channel, which can be found by searching for 49er Faithful UK. We continue to grow as a group, largely due to the on-field success the team are currently having. If you are a new member and haven't checked out the events yet, we have two upcoming meetups, one in Edinburgh for the Saints game on December the 8th and another in Newcastle over the Super Bowl weekend. If you'd like to join us, head over to the events page and register your interest. 
I will also be meeting up with fellow group members at the Green Man at Wembley on Sunday morning from about half nine onwards. Um, so if you're heading to Wembley for the Texans-Jags game, it would be great to say hello and put some faces to names. Right guys, we now head into a very short week and we return to a divisional matchup that should be on paper a banger. But as you know from the following, sorry, as you know from following the NFL, anything can happen on any given Sunday. Let's hope the players are up for this game and don't take it for granted because otherwise we could be uh, left with egg on our face. So, until the early hours of Friday morning, Go Niners. deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep heart. Garrison Hurts, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Groovy, Walgreens, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget.